0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Last week, we talked about the news that the city of Detroit, after a decade of being a city where the majority of people who lived here were renters, was once again a city of home ownership. Uh, Census numbers say that we have turned the corner back to being a majority homeowner city. Now, this is an important milestone, not just in a numeric sense. Uh, Detroit's history of homeownership, its history of opportunity for African Americans when it comes to homeownership make those numbers have a, a cultural significance uh, that they wouldn't in some other cities, and the fact that this had become a majority renter city was something that hung pretty heavily over our heads for the last decade. It was a sign not just of economic decline, but of a cultural threat to uh, the things that we have. Come to really cherish here in the city of Detroit. We talked with a city official to uh, learn more about those numbers, what things that the city had been doing from a government standpoint, from uh, a pressuring standpoint on banks and other institutions to try to expand home ownership in the city. And we talked about how it was, of course, welcome news for uh, the city of Detroit and for the administration of Mayor Mike Duggan. But the numbers were really new when we talked about them last week. And people hadn't had opportunity quite yet to really dig into what they actually show and what they might actually mean. Fast forward to today, people have had a little more time, the weekend at least, to dig more into those numbers, and we want to come back to that subject. Of course, this is something we talk about an awful lot here on Detroit Today, not just home ownership and opportunity, but the connection between those issues uh, and economic uh, power and relevance for the African-American majority in uh, the city of Detroit, uh, which, of course, has seen a lot of declines economically over the past several decades. Uh, You think about the population declines. You think about all of the things that we have lost here in the city of Detroit. It's always on our minds, and, of course, we're always— also trying to think of ways to turn things around. That is where we want to begin the conversation today. What does all of this mean, these home ownership numbers? How happy should we be about the increase in home ownership? And what do we need to be doing to ensure that more African-Americans in the city of Detroit, who are an overwhelming majority, own homes in this city? How do we make sure that more African-Americans get the opportunity to move from being renters to being home owners? Uh, What kind of policy levers do we need to be pulling? Uh, To talk with us about all of this, we've got a really great guest. Anika Gost is the CEO of the local think tank Detroit Future City. She is one of the leading voices in our community when it comes to talking about uh, all of these economic trends, how they Affect the African American majority and how they affect the city overall. Anika, welcome back to Detroit today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. Yeah.
0: So uh, I, you were one of the first people I emailed <laughs> last <Yeah>. week <laughs> after I saw these numbers, and I did it not just because I was excited, and I was, and I still am about those numbers, but but I. I knew that you were somebody who would immediately have a number of different thoughts about that about them and that it wouldn't just uh, be about that milestone for you. But you would instantly start to think about how this fits into this wider context of uh, economic activity, economic progress and, of course, how equity plays out in, in those contexts. but but let's start here. You have been looking at housing in Detroit for a really long time. Uh, yeah I, I would love to know what your initial reaction was and how big a milestone you really think it is that hey, we've turned this corner. we got this part of the, the equation solved at least at least for now. what was what was your initial thought there?
1: Yeah, um, thanks for that. And thank you for giving me a minute to giving our team <laughs> at Detroit. That's right. just I wanted you to come on
0: last week <laughs> <laughs> and I had to give you a little <laughs> time to, to dig into exactly. it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> the census
1: sends the numbers out to the media prior to, that, prior to all the other think tanks and folks. Um, you know, I think we should celebrate the home ownership rate is up. And that is that's a good thing for Detroit because it's a great launching pad for us uh, to be able to start there. The challenge, the reason that we're not completely celebrating, um, is that population is down significantly. Mm-hmm. We and and I know that the mayor is challenging the census numbers uh, because we we had such a big drop. We went. From 670 um, in 20, uh, even 2018, as an estimate, to 633 in this last census, mm-hmm. and that's a significant number that I don't think anyone had anticipated. So you, the 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 problem with that, Stephen, is that if it's okay to challenge to say, well, then that can't be right. But if you don't count that number, then you can't count any of the other numbers. Now, we know that the census uh, has a margin of error Mm -hmm. in terms of how they're counting and how they calculate. But I think what's important to know about this is that even with a smaller population, the number, the home ownership rate who's left are people who are owning homes. Mm -hmm. And that is a good thing for Detroit. On the other side of it, when you look at, well, who did we lose? We lost a significant number of renters and we lost a significant number of African-Americans. And so that... That really, I think, is concerning to us when we want to really focus on stabilizing neighborhoods. While we want everyone to be a homeowner, not everyone is going to get to be a homeowner at the same time. And if there are renters, especially long-term renters, it's those long-term renters that we want to be homeowners right away, right? They're ready. They've been renting three years, five years, eight years, and there are a lot of people like that all over Detroit, we want to move them into home ownership. We don't want them to move outside of the city, which is what it looked like happened um, over the past few years, where they were seeking uh, lower rates, lower renter rates.
0: Sure. So so one way to think about this, uh, and this is maybe a cynical way to think about this, is that, the 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 growth we're seeing in home ownership or if if there is growth in home ownership in the city is coming in in attendance with the growth in new new people in detroit uh and and we should be clear that even though we're losing population uh, overall there are lots of new people moving to Detroit, um, and and part of the concern, I think, uh, legitimate concern, is that so many of the new people who are coming to the city uh, are white. They are not like the city's uh, majority population, and so uh, it seems to me that one of the fears about this number is that we're turning this corner because of this new investment, and that that new investment is missing. Too many of the people who have lived here for a long time. Now, of course, that implicates a lot of other conversations that we're having in Detroit about uh, who's here and and who is going to be here. But but before we get to that, I, I just want to make sure that I'm not wrong in in making that assumption about what the fear here really is about.
1: Yeah, I think I I, I don't think you're wrong. I think. You might be slightly misplaced. Okay. So um, there are, in fact, so what? There are actually more African American homeowners mortgages, right? Mm -hmm. Than there are white mortgages, and we saw that in the last year. Mm -hmm. The reason it feels like there there are new there are new white homeowners. They're new white homeowners. They're African-American people that are moving around. There aren't new African-Americans. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. That the white people that are coming in are new. The black people that are getting mortgages... are already
0: here. here, right?
1: That's right. <laughs> the other reason why it feels like there are more white households is because white households are moving into places that are also being reinvested generally, right? So they're following the money mm-hmm. in in Detroit, and these are also places where the housing prices are higher. So there are areas that are either gentrified or gentrifying, or there are places that are just traditionally in Detroit, larger homes with lar- with higher mortgages. So then that's noticeable right? Those yes. places now don't look traditionally African-American the way they may have looked 10 or 15 years ago. And so that, I think that's the, that is slightly the, the misplacement of why it feels like, because the number, if you just look at the numbers, mm-hmm. the numbers of white households that have moved in do not outpace the number of African-Americans that have left who are, the I'd city. Say, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so one of the things that... But it's
1: still problematic. Uh,
0: right. Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't have enough opportunity for mm-hmm. the people who, who live here. And, and, and I want you to also uh, help connect this new data to data that Detroit Future City uh, has been working with for a while that shows that the areas of the city that are growing, that are growing in population, that are growing in, in economic activity, are areas that have these new residents, right? Yeah. Uh, and that they are the only parts of the city that are growing. Uh, and that's another thing that I think leads you to, that f- to the fear that mm-hmm. these numbers are reinforcing that dynamic.
1: Yeah, that's a real concern. That's something that we are very very concerned about that the only at a really basic level, the only nice neighborhoods in Detroit very soon will be neighborhoods that are also majority white. Mm-hmm. And that that I feel like that is problematic for everyone and that is a current trend that we're seeing because these are the neighborhoods with higher population growth. And so you have to be there is some intentionality that has to happen there where we and there are other cities that have done that. Baltimore, I think, is a great example Mm -hmm. that really wanted to prevent the neighborhoods that were where you began to see revitalization becoming only havens for upper income white households. And so they had to be really intentional about attracting African-American families and other families of color. And I feel like that's something that we haven't been as intentional about here in Detroit. And we're seeing the same trend year over year. And now it's starting to feel uncomfortable because we have fewer people in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And all of the cities, I should also say that for the first time in this census, All of the major cities have lost some population because of COVID. Everybody was leaving the city, right? So that's something to think about. But the result of that is that we still haven't seen the gains in African-American households and in the neighborhoods that we want to see uh, grow in terms of middle-class neighborhoods throughout Detroit. And so I feel like that's an issue that we should all be really paying attention to in order to slow that trend.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we have to get to a break, I want to have you talk just a little about the things, the policy levers that that, that got pulled that led to this turnaround. And um, mm-hmm. the, the, the good news here is there are more mortgages being um, being approved in the city of mm-hmm. detroit i can remember in i think 2010 or 2012 we were at like 400 per year i think 200 uh, 200 <laughs> right uh, yeah. uh, i think the, the the latest number i saw was that there were 2200 uh, yeah. in a recent year so so what are we doing what are we doing that's actually working and i guess how do we make it work even better
1: Right. I mean, I think even with the number in the and uh, in, in our buying in report that you were kind enough to highlight um, a few months ago, uh, we talked about that even at the number of over2,000 is still very low uh, for the population. Um, however, you know, really being intentional about making mortgages available to homeowners in Detroit. Uh, really trying to utilize all of the tools that are available to make um, rent current renters become homeowners, and providing that home ownership training in a coordinated effort. Uh, the Detroit Home Home Loan Mortgage Program was a great success. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they were able to really, even during a time when the financial institutions were really uncomfortable making mortgages in Detroit, there was this concerted effort to do so. And then the commitments from major financial institutions like Chase and Rocket and Bank of America are really making a difference. And we're beginning to see that. I think that the challenge... And we we talked about that in the report. Um, there is still this unevenness by neighborhood mm-hmm. and by housing prices. So the housing values is such a problem in Detroit that it really does affect our ability to increase home ownership to scale. And that that really is something that that we have to uh, consider. And now you know it's a different economy because the because of monetary p- policy and interest rates are much higher, we're seeing the the market slow a bit, which is actually good for low to moderate income buyers, right? because prices come down a little bit sure. and the market softens. Uh, and so and then there's still really good mortgage products that are on the the street to be able to help people um they're just a little more expensive than they were before so i i really feel like um we're starting to see this new trend bank of america has that new product now yeah. um where they are foregoing um uh, the down payment, that should help tremendously for that target, that long-term renter target that I was talking about that mm-hmm. may not have that 20% right. right away, but they have a track record of paying every month on time. So I I feel like those are the kinds of tools in place that that we've already put in place. And now we need to get to scale. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, I'm talking with uh, Nika Goss. She is the CEO of Detroit Future City, which is a local think tank. Uh, We're talking about the news last week that uh, Detroit is, again, a majority homeowner city after a decade of being a majority renter city. We're talking about what that means, not just uh, statistically, but what it means in the sort of uh, overall context of the city and its struggles to do right by the majority population here, which is African-American, uh, also, the influx of new Detroiters from other places, uh, many of whom are not African-American. how All of that mixes together. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to raise a little money. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Anika. We also want to hear from you, our listeners. Call and tell us, what do you make of homeownership increasing in the city? Do you think this is a good sign of things to come? Do you think that there is more we need to be doing to make sure that we have time residents who have stable residences. So what do we need to be doing to ensure that more renters become homeowners and what do we need to do to make sure that the city's African American majority has opportunity to participate in this economic growth. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019 You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today We'll work you into the conversation We'll be right back after a little bit with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Our guest right now is Anika Goss. She's CEO of Detroit Future City, a local think tank here in Detroit. We're talking about the news last week uh, that the census shows that Detroit is again a majority homeowner city after a decade of being a city of majority renters. Uh, We want to hear from you during this conversation as well. Call and tell us what you make of that news. What do you make of the changes that are happening here in the city of Detroit? Uh, Folks, coming in, new folks coming into neighborhoods and deciding they want to be Detroiters. Uh, How does that affect uh, the way you feel about the city, uh, the way the city feels to live in and play in? Uh, Give us a sense of what you think we should be doing to expand home ownership and home ownership opportunities, especially here in the city of Detroit, Uh, a majority African-American city where too often we don't see Opportunity spread equitably across our population. As always, the number here on the phones is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Anika, I want to start with a social media comment, uh, and I I want to interject this for a specific reason is because as we were talking about before it's easy i think to maybe misinterpret a little bit what is mm-hmm. what is going on here but but this is a really important comment, and I think it resonates with a lot of us who who grew up here in the city. Shmi on Twitter says, my grandmother said this would happen one day. Detroiters will Mm. flee to the burbs, and suburbanites will buy up the city. Ownership is up Mm. because people have bought Detroit homes that were foreclosed on and uh, uh, over unpaid taxes and left for the suburbs. Now, all of us uh, who grew up in the city, I think, in the 70s and 80s have heard those same warnings about what was happening and what would happen when the city changed uh, as the city changed. Uh, talk about what Shmi is saying there. And, and again, how, how does that fit into the, into the data and, and what's really going on?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think his grandmother was mostly right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, not completely right. Uh, because as I, as I said, we see, that um there are more African American homeowners than there are white homeowners, but there are also more African Americans in Detroit, yes. right? Yes. And um they are African Americans because they have been here and know the city, buy all over the city, right? Mm-hmm. They buy in all over in neighborhoods all over the city whereas white households are only moving into specific neighborhoods that we've seen and so that's a little different so they're not necessarily buying it's actually uh african-american households that are probably buying tax foreclosed homes from the land bank and Mm. fixing them up it's probably majority of of those families And it's uh, white households that are buying in the, you know, the Indian Village, the West Village, Corktown, East English Village, and those neighborhoods that we're beginning to see change very quickly that are much more stable and have a lot more amenities. Um, But it is a problem because those are the neighborhoods that we know have the largest tax base. They have more amenities. They're... um, neighborhoods that get a lot of attention from the city and the county and yeah. the state. Yeah. That's We're, a problem for all of us.
0: Right, right. I mean, uh, the, this this question of equity goes beyond who owns what and who lives where. It really is also about how government and other institutions respond to who is here and and who lives there. And that's where we see... I think an an awful lot of unevenness uh, uh, in in the city right now.
1: Exactly. So we should have the same, you know, the neighborhoods, if we want uh, families to be able to grow their income and individuals to grow their income and stay in neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. we have to actually be really focused on providing opportunities for amenity rich neighborhoods and, that it it can't just be in one or two areas we have to really be focused on amenity rich areas throughout the city yeah yeah. um and i feel like that's that's a a a bigger lift right and um and and it probably feels unfair because this is this uh, decline has taken a long time for us to get there and it's going to take a long time for it to change. But I think what we're saying and what a lot of people are really frustrated by is that that change can't happen just because there are white households moving in. Yeah, yeah. That we have to actually see this kind of investment in neighborhoods that are majority african-american majority hispanic majority foreign-born that makes up 90 percent of detroit
0: yeah yeah wow wow uh, again 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones let's go to mike in gross point mike welcome to the show
2: oh good morning steven hey so I du- I just doubled my donation because of this show. Oh, very! I, just, good. And I did it. Be, <laughs> I did it before nine a.m. so it could be double of what I gave last time. So anyhow, the news is encouraging. However, um, it made me think about the GI Bill after World War II, which was not available to African American soldiers who fought mm-hmm. for their country and mm-hmm. risked their lives. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder what the city would have looked like if African-American soldiers would have been able to take advantage of those lower interest rates and guaranteed mortgages. And I mean, it would have helped create generational wealth for the African-Americans. And I think that the government needs to implement a program today that would make up for that injustice mm-hmm. that was visited upon African-Americans. Yeah. That's what I think. And another thing, I um, I did grow up in the city, and I last lived in Indian Village before moving to Gross Point. But um, I've looked at properties in the city, and the prices are unbelievable. Hmm. I looked at yeah. a place on Vinewood, just west of, uh, one street west of West Grand Boulevard, mm-hmm. and it's a duplex, three hundred ninety thousand dollars. Wow. Now, wow. how can African American middle class people afford to buy these homes? It's 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 crazy.
0: Yeah, uh, Mike, uh, th- those are both really wonderful points, and especially the point about affordability. Uh, you know, the market in Detroit is changing really quickly in some neighborhoods, and and I think people are getting priced out of of the market. Uh, but I do want to go back to the, your, your point about the GI Bill, which I think is just absolutely wonderful and so relevant to this conversation. I tell this story a lot. I'm going to tell it again right now. My father uh, grew up in uh, Mississippi in the 19 19- uh, 1930s and 40s, uh, went off to fight in the Korean War, uh, came home to a Mississippi where not only was he not eligible for the GI Bill, uh, but he couldn't even vote uh, in his home state, uh, couldn't get jobs because of the color of his skin, and couldn't buy property, frankly, uh, in, in, in many places. Uh, you, you think about all of the things that that means for our family going forward into the future, right? All of the things that he missed out on because of that racism that affect uh, us economically today, uh, there, there's no way you can overlook that when you're talking about uh, these kinds of, of things. And your idea to go back and try to assess what that damage was and make up for it is, is you know part of this larger conversation that we're having right now about reparations and things like that. Uh, but, but the other point I always make about this is this is not some ancient relative I read about in a book somewhere. Uh, this was my father. Right. This is the first man I knew. This was the person whose life and whose economic fortunes shaped mine directly. None of this stuff is as old as people want to think it is. Uh, it's it's what affects us now. But but certainly, uh, Anika, that is not a unique story here in the city of Detroit. Uh, uh, home ownership here was also shaped by the GI Bill, and it was shaped unevenly.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at those Hulk uh, numbers and that old federal home loan Um risk rating uh, where they would not allow African-Americans to uh, purchase homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my grandfather was a World War II veteran Mm -hmm. and uh, came to Detroit. And when he married my grandmother, they had to rent. Um, And they rented their first two homes before they were finally able to save up enough to buy in in a neighborhood on the west side that was deemed Uh, less risky and the only place that, one of the few places, one of the three places that African-Americans were allowed to live in the 1940s. Mm. Mm. Um, And I I feel like we just haven't been able to to figure out what that right reparative um, conversation looks like for us. Yeah. right. And I feel like it's I feel like we need to just pull the trigger and do it, as other cities have done. Um, and and I feel Mike from Gross Point is exactly right that the the loss of wealth by um, not only the uh, the the federal home loan redlining and the, the then the segregationist redlining from realtors um, later after, uh, after that. And then even the intentional, um, the, what I think of as intentional targeting of concentration of neighborhoods where you limit the value by limiting quality infrastructure, uh, targeting tax, uh, tax foreclosure in neighborhoods. Um, and, and really trapping families from being able to prosper and and even receive the wealth they could receive because we have limited families in this way. Yeah. The damage runs so deep, right? We could never afford to pay the reparative damage that was done no. in Detroit recently. Yeah. Like We're not even talking about, as you said, turn of the century loss from families. This is like 30 years ago, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. 10 years ago when lending there were there were clear lending discriminatory practices and I I uh I feel like this is something that I'm really hoping we get to a solution, a big solution that is uh worthy of the time and effort for a for families that have lost so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, really appreciate the call and the context there, Mike. Uh, thanks for uh, being part of the show here. Let's next go to Joe in Rochester Hills. Joe, welcome to the show. Yeah.
3: Hey, Steven. How hey. you doing today? Good. good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm walking the dog right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Joe.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. I just. Uh, I mean, a lot of my uh observation comments around the fact that uh uh you know we to me you know it, red lighting still really occurs in the city uh, mm-hmm. insurance rates for cars for mm-hmm. houses mm-hmm. Um, all that sort of thing and when when uh somebody is thinking of purchasing or living somewhere those factors come into play obviously you know if i'm going to pay two grand a year for car insurance in Detroit, and I can pay a thousand in the suburbs. Well, that's going to play into my decision process. Um, I mean, so those those disadvantages are huge. Um, never to me, they still have not even been uh, approached to be taken care of and equalized at all. Um, you know, and uh, I'm just wondering if this phase of the real estate in Detroit, you know, if the, if the ship has already taken off. Um, because I, uh, I, I recall five, six, seven years ago, um, I play music. I was playing in a band in a hotel. And I'm talking to a couple people there. And they said, oh, yeah, we're here from Australia. We're here to buy some houses in Detroit. Hmm. We're going to buy 100, 200 of them.
0: Oh, my goodness.
3: And I go, geez, <laughs> oh, man. I says, <laughs> I says, you know, people around the world know about Detroit. Yeah. And the people in Detroit don't know about Detroit. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, it just blows my mind. Hmm. Um, and I, I've been in and out. Um, I, I moved back into the city in the 80s. I grew up in Detroit, Davidson and Six Mile. And uh, uh, I came back in the 80s. I bought a dilapidated place, fixed it up, um, lived there for 12 years, got married, moved out uh, to where my wife was. But uh, um, that helped the neighborhood around me. But, but the rates, insurance rates were crazy. Yeah. Everything was crazy. You know, it, 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 still, it, is, uh, it's, it still is, Joe. It, 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 still is.
0: It, it's still very expensive to live here, and that's one of the the problems that you know we deal with is is that you know for middle class families making a decision about where they're going to live, raise their kids, that kind of thing, it's still a pretty big ask financially, at least, uh, uh, to have them to have them buy uh, in Detroit. Anika, there, there, there yeah. is a lot of movement on on that. I mean, there, there are things that people are trying to do, I should say. Uh, yeah. it, it's not having the effect that that we need it to quite yet.
1: No, it's not having the wholesale effect uh, of reducing insurance equitably here in Detroit. Um, or, you know, and I think the city is still struggling with reducing taxes or making taxes uh, a much more moderate. There are new policies mm-hmm. that are being explored um, that that might help alleviate some of that. Um, but that, you know, when we have interviewed um, middle class African-American families, uh, especially those that moved to the suburbs that used to live in Detroit and moved, chose to move to the suburbs. These were all of the things you could probably list what they said were the problems, schools, taxes, insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, very few of them surprisingly said crime and blight. Right. Yeah. They, I think they felt like they could find some place to live in the city that wasn't uh, blight ridden or, and where they could feel safe, you know, yeah. but, uh, insurance taxes and schools, um, were the primary, uh, the primary issues. And then it became things like, I want to be able to walk. I want to be able to walk my dog. I want to mm-hmm. live in an area like that, but now it's so expensive. I can't afford it and that's also very true is that the neighborhoods that are nice the values are now so exorbitant that they they are out of reach for a lot of middle class families
0: yeah yeah uh, before we have to break i want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier which was this new bank of america program because i think it's one of the it's one of the high points at least in the banking community here in terms of what they're trying to do to expand home ownership. Uh, but this this zero down payment idea is exactly the kind of thing that can open up the market to more families and especially uh, more middle-class families.
1: Yeah, I um, and I, I only know what I've read about also mm-hmm. <laughs> about the program, um, uh, but that's exactly what we need. It's these kinds of creative tools uh, that, that financial institutions can take um, and make available for families um, and to create accessibilities, yeah. especially for African-American families in Detroit. Um, and in other cities, other Pontiac and mm-hmm. Flint and all of those other places where there are Benton Harbor, where there are high concentrations of uh, moderate families that should be own- homeowners and are priced out of the market or that don't are not able to ac- access homeownership because they don't have enough credit or they have poor credit and things, really important things like rent does not go on your credit report.
0: Right. Right.
1: So if you don't have the, the bill that you're paying on a regular basis, your rent, your utilities, if that's not on your credit report to show that you can be a good payer, even if you don't have a credit card, then how will you ever get to become a homeowner? Yeah, yeah. And Those so I, I feel about. like that was a really strong move. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, uh, Anika Goss. CEO of Detroit Future City. Always great to have you here to help us uh, sort through these kind of uh, information and data. Thanks so much for being with us on Detroit Today.
1: Thank you so much for having me Stephen. i'm yeah. glad we could clear this up yeah absolutely <laughs> and i'm
0: sure you'll be back uh, yes. soon to talk more about all of these yes. uh, these issues okay that is going to do it for us today come back tomorrow when we're going to talk about the proposal to extend term limits in the michigan legislature and then we are going to talk with the new president of the university of detroit mercy about his plans for that school's future This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.